Welcome back. We are we are going to talk tonight. It's going to be fun. Um, going down the so, rabbit hole. I, I mean, we're, so let's let's start with the easy way into this, which is Ancient Apocalypses on Netflix. Yes, yes. If Ancient Apocalypse is on Netflix. Um, another another route into this is, without touching on the UFO stuff, Ancient Aliens, because they also deal with a lot of ancient history type they things. They do, they do. Um, my original ex- experience into this was the Reader's Digest Unexplained Mysteries book that my grandma had. And the series of like paranormal and weird stuff, one of which was Ancient Civilizations, again, a Reader's Digest. That's kind of where I entered this. And if you could ever find those at a used bookstore, they're cool. Yes, I've seen the book. It is is quite nice. So if you if you haven't watched Ancient Apocalypses, listening to this, go watch the series. Stop. No, finish this. Wa- finish this. Finish this. No. <laughs> yeah. uh, or but stop and then it's, come back. Um, it's it is wonderful. Watch. It, it is. Whether you agree with the people in the series or not, whether you agree with their premise or not, they show you amazing things. And you should go yeah. watch it just for that alone. The cinematography of Ancient mm-hmm. Sites is one of the best that I've ever seen done production value-wise. Yeah, it's good. It's it's very good. I mean, there's there's been a lot of good archaeology stuff coming out in the last couple of years. Fix your mic. You went so very echoey. It, we we've got a uh, we've had quite a few come out in the last few years, but we've also got the internet, which has really changed mm-hmm. the game with a lot of these. Other folks looking into things. Rogan had the guy from Bright Insights on, who's been talking about the the eye of um, the eye of the Sahara, and thinking that it might be Atlantis, which is a fascinating idea. And then the other guy, um, Ben, who gets into the ancient um, into the ancient Egyptian pyramids and the pottery and the. I mean, that's a whole, you know. We we'll get there, but that's that. I mean, so there's there's all sorts of yeah, stuff and, coming out right now, and 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 on that like today or yesterday, I found a link to some kind of potential megalithic site that they found in Hawaii from Google Earth, and it looks the like some sun, kind of star the, chart. The star chart, yeah, some kind of star chart, and and I and basically what it was was two guys who saw something on Google Earth and then went driving around Hawaii to try to figure out where it was and then got drone footage of it. And it's there. I mean, it's... And you can't see it from the ground on that part of Hawaii because it's not near any mountains or anything, which is... You know, it, it, it's very reminiscent of the Nazca lines, how they were accidentally yeah. discovered when someone flew over them in an airplane. They just found... I say just recently found another 40 or 50 or something of them. They were doing, again, they're using LIDAR, which mm-hmm. I need to buy myself a LIDAR, a drone with a LIDAR, get all that gear. So we, you know, there's got to be stuff under the ground everywhere. I'm sure. Yeah. So Japanese archaeologists but, spot more than 150 new Nazca lines. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's crazy. And it, it just, they, they just found I mean, So, 
they talk about an ancient arch- uh, uh, ancient apocalypse is Gobekli Tepe, which which so let's let's take a step back here. The the current you know school textbook incorrect theory <laughs> is that civilization began six thousand years ago in period Sumer in in that sort of time frame. Yeah, the the story the, that we the, all know. The biblical regions of the near Middle East. And the Tigris and the Euphrates, the yeah, yeah, and some somebody somebody threw uh, about that time somebody threw seeds on the ground and noticed that they grew and then agriculture happened and then boom, civilization with written language out of nowhere, right, right, it, uh, it, roughly it a, it six thousand years ago. Um, I'm just going to come out and say it right now. Our academic history of our culture is wrong uh, and not wrong because what they know from 6,000 years on is wrong, but it's missing stuff. We are a his- We are a species with amnesia. That is my favorite Graham Hancock line. We are a species with amnesia, regardless of what that looks like. There's a huge chunk of history. We don't understand. We don't know about No. You know, the Florence find here, just a few miles away from where I live, um, we know now that the people were living in America and making stone tools and migrated to the central Texas region somehow 16,000 years ago. There was a culture here. Whether that culture built things or not, who knows? We know they made weapons. We know they made tools, advanced spear points, advanced arrows, um you know, very advanced, uh, you know, a hunter-gatherer culture isn't simple. We may think of it as primitive compared to, like, modern society, but it's not. They're rich. They're deep. There's, there's a lot of culture there, whether somebody's staying in the same place or not. And we know that by studying the ones that exist now. Yeah, so we, the you know, we just found in... Aleppo, which is supposed to be one of the oldest cities in the world anyway, they were apparently doing something, and I want to say it was in the city center, and I could be wrong about that, but they found evidence of civilization, you know, uh, some sort of early settlement there, you know, 11,000, 12,000 years ago, which is, again, significantly older than 6,000. And then we've got Gobekli Tepe, which was intentionally covered up 11,000 years ago. It doesn't mean it was built 11,000 years ago. It was it was backfilled in completely and covered up. Yeah. And let's let's talk about that for a minute. That is mind-blowing. So however long it took for them to build these amazing megalith structures, which a lot of people don't realize they're not carved into. They're reverse carved. So the, the animals and the pictures and stuff stick out of the stone, which is even harder to do. Than digging right, into because what the you're stone. doing is you're you're carving away what you don't want on there. So, like the statue of David, they carved everything off the outside of it. Now you're putting it on a pillar. You've got to carve away what you don't want. Not carving into it, like carving into a tree. You got to carve around the outside. And if you mess up, that's the whole pillar. And these were not the... simple. Yeah, the best modern analogy I have for that is those people who use chainsaws and take a trunk of a tree and whittle it down into a shape, right? Yeah. Um, instead of carving a bird shape into the trunk of a tree. 
Yeah, right? There you go. Um, and then they build all these, and we know there's multiple sites that they haven't excavated. So so the, the one site we've got is Gobekli Tepe. They've uncovered what they think is about 10% of it. What they've uncovered mm-hmm. is already, I think, two or three times larger than Stonehenge, just in space, let alone complexity. It's way more complex. And they've only uncovered 10% of it. Again, all backfilled by, by hand, I assume, big hills. Well, but we're, then we're they gonna... found they found six or seven other ones in the other tepes in the area that all have the same. They've all got stuff underneath them too. So, did they all get backfilled? Eleven? We don't know that yet. But they... yeah, because they're 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 not excavating a lot of them, right? Uh, they're doing a lot of stuff with ground penetrating radar and things like that, which I understand. One, it's not the most stable area, right? Um, and we don't want something to happen to that, like happened to the Georgia Guidestones, you know, where somebody comes through and accidentally blows up a monument type thing. Um, we don't want that to happen and it's old. So if you see pictures of it, you'll notice they're reinforcing some of these megaliths with, you know, wood bracing and things like that to, to preserve it, but they're being very methodical about it. But let's just talk about the fact that a culture decided this is important enough. We're going to bury it going to bury all this work it's it's like if we buried the astrodome to protect it well did they bury it to protect it did they bury we don't it? know what I'm were they protecting it from why did they, yeah i know i mean, just we don't want to make that leap we don't even know what it is that's right fair. we know it's there but we really don't know what it is start, i wonder right? if it's Maybe it's like some big calendar, some sort of. St- I mean, they it, it, in apocalypses. He talk uh, Hancock talks a lot about how a lot of these different things are. They're all aligned with the stars and the yes. and the um, the equinoxes, which which gets into the crazy complexity of the the Great Pyramid. That thing is perfectly aligned to true north, and it's got the weird. So that it's not four sides to the pyramid. It's eight sides. It's not actually a pyramid. Each regular of the four sides is actually slightly convex. So it's in a little bit. So that, and I'm going to get the day wrong. I don't know. I think it's the equinox or the solstice or one of the important days. The sun will actually, when it comes up, only light half of it for a second. So it'll light, one side will stay, be lit, and one side will be dark. And then the other side will just immediately like flash up with light. It's... This crazy thing that happens, but well, and on the Great Pyramid, there have been some studies done because it looks a lot like the the um, stars in the Belt of Orion, but it doesn't line up. The but complex. if you run it back, yeah, the three the, the three pyramid complex there. But if you run it back far enough, it's something like ten thousand years. I, I don't remember the exact date, and I'm not finding it right now. But you have to go back millennia past when the accepted creation of the pyramids were, even at its most outside date, to have it line up. And then it lines up perfectly. That's and, and fascinating. If I, if I remember correctly, that also, that date time frame aligns with the um, the zodiac sign of I'm trying to remember what this is of Leo, 
which is why the Sphinx was actually a lion, because at the time the you know the solstice was in the house of Leo from the time beforehand, which is and which you have to go back to to get the pyramids to fit the right the right lineup. So it's it's all sort of this um this sort of mystery of what all those things are. And while we're talking about the Sphinx, we can also mention the fact that the Robert Schock went to the Sphinx, looked at the walls of it, and said, this erosion is water erosion. And it hasn't rained in the Sahara in 10,000 years. So how the heck is this thing water eroded? And Let's talk about this for a second. I want to touch on this. The Sahara Desert is a desert now. Yes. And we have absolutely no idea what's under that sand. Let's no. just say that, okay? There's been no LIDAR done. But we do know there are abandoned cities in the Sahara Desert, one of which matches Plato's description, roughly, of the capital city of Atlantis with all the concentric rings. Which is well, it's not exactly we know an abandoned city. Well, it's, it, it looks like a, some abandoned complex. Yeah, uh, we know there are abandoned trade cities in the Sahara that have been buried, half buried under the sand. Uh, we know that for a fact, and these were like not—they're ancient cities, but not like prehistory cities. Um, right. So we don't know what's under that sand. And at one point, it was lush jungle, so people could have very well been living there. And we know Absolutely. cities get buried under the jungle because they're finding them in the Amazon with LIDAR. Yeah, Graham Hancock was on Russell Brand this past week, which I listened to. It was a great episode. Uh, you had to go over to Rumble to catch him, though. But uh, it was really good. And he, Graham was sort of, Russell was sort of asking the question of like, you know, if, you know, he was sort of making the joke of if, you know, if somebody, he said, what, you know, what's the big thing that we should be putting money towards? And he was, and, and Graham goes, well, I, I've had plenty of, you know, billionaires or whatever come up to me at a party and say, like, we've got a bunch of money and I want to, like, what should we do? And he's like, we should LIDAR the Amazon. And they're like, no, nah, that's not fun enough. And they don't want to do it. And so he yeah. was saying, like, the two things, the big things that we need to do are light out of the Amazon. We need to be paying attention to the Sahara. And then his other one was underground, underwater. You know, because yeah. if you get into that idea of what we're talking about, which is we've got a, 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 you know, an ancient history that we've forgotten, the bump on the head is the Younger Dryas. And in the young, during the Younger Dryas, we had Meltwater Pulse 1B. And we had a 40-foot sea rise that we just don't take into account when we look for stuff. And, and I want to talk a minute about how easy it is to lose the history, even in non-ancient times. So the Spanish came over and conquered the people who lived in what is now Mexico and Guatemala, uh, mostly through plague. But one of the things that they did was burn every record they could get their hand on, right? Because it was not... Christian, so it was the devil's work, so they burned it. And then as those populations died out, the jungle came in and took over a lot of the cities. And I have been to the Yucatan, and I have been to one of the ancient cities. It's not the, it's not the, I've been to a couple of them. 
um, to visit. Uh, and it's I'm, I'm forgetting which one it is. It's not the super famous one with the with the serpent pyramid, but uh, it has a pyramid where it's the highest point in the Yucatan Peninsula. Because a lot of people don't realize this, Yucatan Peninsula is flat. There are no natural hills or mountains there. It's completely flat. And when I went, you could still climb the pyramid, and I went to the top of the pyramid. And as far as I could see, out to the horizon, 360 degrees were what looked like large hills around. And the person who was giving us the tour said, every one of those little mountains and hills that you see is a pyramid completely covered by vegetation. And there were literally hundreds of them. And this was one of the quote-unquote lost cities that had been rediscovered. And we're talking in the last 1,500 years now, right? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, and, there's, there's a, there, ha, for there, for as much stuff as there is in the Amazon, for as many structures as there are, and we, I know we've lost a lot of that history, and I think it's, some of it may have been ignored just because, you know, there couldn't have been anyone there before the last ice age, that's what we've decided, so yes. we're going to ignore everything yes. else idea, but, like, there's so much stuff there that to say that there wasn't someone there before, it doesn't make any sense. And now we find tools. So we find tools from 12,000 12, years ago. That means that's pre-Younger Dryas, which means there were people in North America. There were, there's got to be people in South America. So North America gets yeah. wiped out by, the, by Randall Carlson's flood. And... You know, South America keeps on chugging, probably not doing well, <laughs> you know, since there's... Well, we don't know. I mean, yeah, we know right now there are tribes in the Amazon that have not been contacted by modern man. We know that for a fact. Yes. You know. Um, there may be tribes in other places that we don't even realize are there. Absolutely. You know, Northern Alberta, somewhere up in Canada, there could be some crazy, you know, Inuit tribe that's hidden Siberia? away. Siberia? Yeah, who you knows? Know. Siberia is so big. It is so big. There could be remnant populations. It's a term I really like. Remnant populations um, that exist. Every time you say uh, Siberia, I'm going to say, bring back the woolly mammoths. And we'll get into know. rewilding later, but I'm going to say it again. Let's bring back the woolly mammoths. Bring back the woolly mammoths. Um, China is massive. China is massive. And there's cultures, modern cultures that most of us don't know about. Like, you know, most Americans know Vietnam exists. I'm going to use this example. We know Vietnam exists. We know there's the Vietnamese people. But a lot of people don't realize that there was another culture, a completely separate culture in Vietnam, the mountain people of Vietnam. I'm blanking on the, the name of, of the people, but they fought the traditional Vietnamese people and had for centuries. Uh, you looking it up? Yeah, I'm pulling up. Yeah, uh, well, I'm going to sidebar the, you here for a second. Go. The Mon, Montanards. It's hard to... The Montanards. M-O-N-T-A-G-N-A-R-D-S. The Montanards. Hill tribe people from Vietnam. 
And they were one of our biggest allies because they have been fighting an internal, basically, civil war between the lowlands and the mountains for centuries. Yeah. Well, and you you brought up China, and I'm gonna I'm gonna side rail, go back to civil ancient civilizations. They got pyramids all over China, but nobody's nobody's looking at them because you know they don't want them. Well, to, the Chinese the Chinese government as it is now doesn't want to look at that, won't let anybody in to research it. And let's talk about China. How far back in written history does Chinese history go? I mean, we're so Western focused, we forget that Chinese has, the Chinese people have had a written history for something like 6,000 years. Well, um, let's just remember that, that if the written history that we have doesn't match, then we just ignore it and pretend that it's fantasy. Because the ancient Egyptians yeah. have king lists that go back 30,000 years and talk about rulers that lived for thousands of years. And we, and you know, and that, and it's, it, you know, I've looked into them a little bit. I'm not well versed in it, but like it's, you know, this guy went and this guy went and this guy went and this guy went. And then there was a really big flood and everybody died. And then this was the new king. And I was like, oh, that's a little weird. You know, and then those, it sort of lines, it all sort of lines up. And then, and we just go back to the the last one that we can find evidence of and go, this is where, this is where the truth starts and all the rest yeah. of it's fake. And it's like, An- what another, uh, another uh, contemporary example of that is the Old Testament. You know, <laughs> at some point when you read, when you start reading the Old Testament, at some point, they start treating those books as history, like academ- academics treat it as history. Like, okay, now we reach the point where it's not myth anymore, and these people actually lived, and these things happened, right? Again, with like genealogies and king's lists and things like that. Right. Um, uh, and a lot of it ties into like history of Rome, right, and how far back the Roman hit- written histories go. Again, we're so Western-centric with yeah. this. Um, and we don't even know what we don't know because the library of Alexandria burned to the ground amongst many others. I don't remember whose YouTube video I watched it on. I'll have to find it again sometime, but it was like a two minute video of a 5,000 year span of just like 40 libraries being burned. It was like this one burned down, but don't worry. They moved 40,000 books to this library, which they then burned that one down, but they saved 2000 books from that one. They moved them to this library and then they burned that one down. And it was just like, you know, which that brings me back to Graham Hancock and the ancient apocalypse and some of the stuff that's in his books. And they touch on it in the ancient apocalypse series where they talk about some of these, these, uh, what is it? The, Rary Priest map, or am I saying that wrong? The Piri uh, Reese map. The Piri Reese map, thank you. The Piri Reese map, which has Antarctica fairly accurately drawn without ice on it, without the ice sheet. And it was drawn referencing, quote unquote, ancient maps. So, so the okay. Piri Reese map is a small section that has a bit of South America and and what what they've de- we've de- decided is Antarctica. There's a couple fascinating things about the Piri Reese map. One is like you said, it shows Antarctica with no ice on it, which they they couldn't even 
they couldn't even accurately figure that out until I want to say like the mid eighties. It was the sixties or the seventies. Maybe with it like was, satellite okay, maybe, imagery. It, it yeah, was, it was sometime Navy. during the Cold War. They figured it out okay. because of like spy satellites and stuff and, and radar imaging sure. and, and things like that. But still, yeah. the 1960s, the, the Navy was, I guess it was, they did some surveys. They figured it out. Mm-hmm. They confirmed it and said, yeah, this is what this looks like. So let's, let's put all that aside. They were able to, to, to do it without all of that. The crazier thing is the longitude is right. Before they had longitude. So that's yes. one of the really fascinating things. We didn't have longitude until, what is it, like Cook's second voyage or something like that. It's like the 1700s, I want to say, or the 1600s. But there are there are ancient maps that are – there. so if you look at old maps, a lot of them are – really wonky because all we could do is latitude we couldn't do longitude longitude requires a chronometer in some case i don't fully understand it but so when you look at old maps they're all scary sometimes they're super squished in and they're super far out like all the coastlines are right but everything's real nothing is even uh it's hard to make it even a lot of these ancient maps that are based on ancient maps somehow have great longitude and latitude. They shouldn't have it, which just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking it up. Uh, I was trying to look it up. Um, they're saying the 3rd century BC, but that's not right. I mean, that's when the concept was invented uh, for yeah. longitude. And I was trying to look up latitude. Uh yeah, I mean it required it required a it required a stable timekeeping a stable clock it required a effectively 1700s. a modern clock. Yeah, and I remember it was a big deal in England to try and it was a, it was there was a very large monetary prize uh, to be awarded to a chronometer that could keep time as you traveled, yeah, so you could properly measure it. Yeah. Well, let's let's shift from chronometers right over to the Antikythera mechanism, which is the wildest mean, and craziest thing. You mean the thing they found on the bottom of the ocean, encrusted in like coral, and when they X-rayed it, had more preci- more precision gears than they could make at the time they examined it. Yes, I mean it's. The the quality of craftsmanship on that device is so precise. They it, had trouble it measures, rebuilding it. Yeah, it measures like the solar system. Like it's a it's a really complicated chronometer. It's not just time. It's also solar movements, planetary time, movements, and, stars, planets, celestial right. events, predicting. And so, um. Predicting um, when the moon goes in front of the sun, eclipses, yeah. uh, and things like that. It just they send it just over the to, sheer number of gears. They send it over to some watchmakers. I can't remember which ones. One of those really fancy Swiss. ones that you. No, it's some not kind of the Swiss. Swiss. Well, maybe it wasn't it is. Swiss. It's the Peugeot or I, I it, think it's, it's Northern European high end. Yes. Super the one when you hear the name, you just know you can't afford it. One of those watches. Yes. But yeah. they they took a look at it and were, were talking about how the gears were 
would be were uneven numbers. They're like it's two hundred and eighteen pegs, and they're like that makes it way harder because it doesn't yeah. divide out evenly across the thing. And then they would say that some of them they would notice that the there would be bigger gaps and smaller gaps to account for like stops. And then the, the thing that really got me is it was this solves problems in a way that we've never solved this problem before. Yeah, it's unique. Like, it's completely outside it was, the box. Right. And it's ancient. And we found it because it had fallen off a ship or was part of a shipwreck. It was a shipwreck, yeah. And I want to bring up this. Well, some people are going to say, when I've talked to them, they're like, well, where is all the other stuff? Like, it was all metal. They melted it down at some point to make swords. Well, a lot of stuff was pillaged. Where we throw things away. We yeah, nothing was thrown away back then. A, a hundred years ago, well, I guess, let's say 120 now, 120 years ago at the turn of the century, if something broke, you you would take it apart and fix it, or you would take it apart and there would be pieces of it that you would reuse and other things. Like you didn't yeah. just throw it away. It got repurposed. You repaired it, you repaired it, you repurposed it, or at bare minimum, you recycled the materials and, and reused it. There's a reason they say make your swords into plowshares and make your plowshares into swords, because they didn't have enough metal to do both throughout most, most of history. Right? Yeah. Um, there's so many things that were valuable because they were rare at the time. The tin trade, so they could make bronze. People yeah. risked, you know, thousands of miles journey through dangerous territory for several pounds of tin because then you could make copper into bronze. Well, I mean, they did it for, they did it to make the food taste better. Let's, I mean, they did all that, that same stuff for the spice trade. I mean, and that's something that, 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 that was an interesting thing for me. The moment that it clicked for me, because you always hear the spice trade and you're like, yeah, they were trading spices. And it was the thing like, and if you really stop and take a moment, like the spice trade was the food tastes terrible. And this is, and it it's spoils. so, Im it's so important that we make the food taste better that we need salt and spices and peppers and, and all this, this other stuff. And I'm glad you mentioned salt. We take salt for granted. It's on every table in America. In fact, we have a sodium problem in America. There's too much salt in our processed food. But in Rome, they paid their soldiers with salt because it could preserve meat. And it had more value than gold coins. Blow your mind. That, I did not know that. That is interesting. Yeah. Um, they paid their soldiers with salt. So salt is a flavor enhancer. It doesn't it's also add a preservative. flavor. Well, but, but yes, in, in a cooking sense, though, it, it yes. doesn't add a flavor to something. It it enhances the existing flavor. I mean, if you add enough, it becomes tastes like salt. But like correctly added, it just boosts the flavors that are in the dish already. Which would and, and, which is what you would do when you would just like 
when it was a worth a lot. You just put a sprinkle, and it makes it just taste a little bit better. I'm going to throw another bit of salt trivia at you because I think it's fascinating. The control of salt has been around for a long time. I mean, even up through post-World War II, um, in India, England controlled the salt trade. And one of the ways Gandhi protested peacefully was making his own salt from seawater. Hmm. And he was jailed for it at one point because he bucked the British Empire and didn't have to pay taxes. How interesting. By showing they could break the law and make their own salt and not have to buy it from the British machine, colonial machine. And, you know, that's not ancient. Gandhi's not ancient. Um, Everything I know about Gandhi I learned from the movie, which probably means I don't know much. And that scene is in the movie, um, which has one of the... Apparently I was not paying attention then. Well, you've got to know what's going on. To be fair, when you watch the movie, you kind of have to know what's going on to understand what's happening. It's just a thing that happens. Um, uh, I think we watched it at school, so we watched it in, like... 30 minute chunks over a week and a half you know so super unhelpful to understand what's going on in a movie sir ben kingsley spoiler alert sir ben kingsley one of the greatest actors of all time and one of the best marvel characters ever yes absolutely absolutely especially how they've looped him back in we're not getting into Marvel. We'll do that on something else. We'll talk about that another time. All right. No. So I want to go back to ancient civilizations because that's what we're talking about. So I'm going to talk about the, the Egyptian pot. I've been bugging you about this for forever. So. Okay. Ben from Uncharted X, who's got a great channel. Yes. Check him out. I'm on his Patreon. I get the stuff early because it's amazing. He has. They. Okay. So let's let's take this back. There are stone pots in Egypt. They are, they appear to be beyond understanding of how they've been made. They're really, really hard stones. There's like the, the Mohs scale diamonds are nine, you know, sand stuff's way down at the bottom. These are things like eights and nines. They're up at like the strength of iron, like really hard stone. Yeah. You, you almost need a diamond to carve into it. Right. And and the other thing they talk about, which is, is, I didn't realize this, that really, really hard stone actually has lots of, it's their aggregates. They've got other things mm-hmm. in them. And like when you granite. Get the, right. And when you get the really good granite, it's got the big chunks in it. And you see those on like when you're looking at the top of a kitchen top or whatever. Well, apparently when you're carving those, those can shatter if they're not done correctly it's it's hard to carve them that way and so all these pots they've they found four thousand of them under the first dynasty tomb of joser which is ancient ancient and they attribute them to someone they say they came from someone before he just collected them they found them in burial sites up to i want to say 12 15,000 years old so they're ancient ancient pots they got their hands yeah, on one pre, from a private pre Egyptian dynasty pots almost. Yeah. Super well, I mean, potentially ten to fifteen thousand year old stuff. Like really, you know, way before things that we're supposed to know. Yes. To to 
think that people were, were around. So they got their hands on this one of these pots through a private collector, and they're out there in the world. He got one, and he gave it to them to put into t- a a laser detection. I mean, they, they use these things for like jet turbine blades to make sure they're flat and straight. So it's got all these points of light, and it creates a computer structure that they can then lay shapes on top of. And I'm not going to get into more than that because need visuals to understand this super super high-end laser scanners that make 3d models yeah but what they were able to pull off of this was levels of perfection that are are on you know perfectly flat perfect 90 degrees to the precision of the the half the width of a human hair just and then somebody's gone in and laid multiple circles and triangles and done math on top of it and you know, pie starts popping out and golden ratio starts popping out. And, and don't even get, I mean, that's crazy on its own right. But just the fact that the top is perfectly flat and it's perfectly 90 degrees to a perfect circle. I mean, you, you've already convinced it me. Was that so it, it was so technical. It was amazing. It was so technical. I couldn't finish watching it. And, and, I, and I won't say that I understand it completely, but I know enough math to read it to go, this just shouldn't happen by chance. Like this, shouldn't happen by chance. And the precision. Be, it, it had to be planned out ahead of time and then cut by something that has a level of precision that is greater than the human hand and eye. So like, let me put it this have way: to have some sort of machine. Let me put it this way: it would be statistically impossible for someone to hand make that pot and hit those numbers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I. I mean. And well, and then to and then you know because they talk about you know things got weird center points. I mean, it's just bananas how complicated these are. But that really is one of those things where you look at that and go like, okay. So. This pot, whatever you believe the explanation is, we know these things are really, really old. So somebody's wrong because this doesn't fit any of the explanations that we have. So I don't know what the right answer is, but all I do know is that we don't know what the right one is. So we need to figure it out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And along those lines, talking about ancient technology that shouldn't exist. We know the production of electricity was happening in Baghdad between 150 BCE and 223 AD with the Baghdad battery. So we know that for a fact. And that battery... years ago? Yeah. 2,400 years ago. Electricity was being used... For something. There's a lot of debate as to what that something was, which is fine, but we know it exists. And here's the crazy thing. The fundamental technology for an acid-based battery, which is an acid metal-based battery, is no different than the battery in your car you use to start it every day. It's just different material. It's a slightly like more efficient use... material. Yeah. They use different metals and, and acids because we've figured out how to make better combinations. Yeah. And that's how we instead do it. of yeah. instead of like copper and wine, we're using acid and lead 
Yeah. Which they probably the technology. wouldn't have to use because it would have put off all sorts of gases and and things that they couldn't handle. At the well, time. and the wine is multi-purpose. I mean... Don't even get me started on ancient wine. We'll get into religion and it's it'll take a whole turn. Um, and those are just some of the things that we know. And we also know that we've lost things like Greek fire and, and other stuff. And there's legends... I mean, the legends have to have some truth behind them. Where do they we come just from? Figured out, we just figured out Roman concrete. Yes. Ta- like tell me we, about that. You just we can get uh, them back again. read that. So I'm going to get this wrong. It was quicklime and seawater, I want to say. It's a, they, they figured out that they weren't using water. They were using seawater, and they were using quicklime, and there was a third thing in there. And basically what happened is that it when it when those mixed together it created an exothermic reaction so it got hot and when that happened it ended up with these large occlusions of quicklime sort of like we were talking about with the granite like it would, these big chunks of quicklime would still be or lime would still be in there with the concrete and so when it cracked water would get down inside there and it would reactivate that reaction and it would heal itself. And so it's, it's self-healing concrete. Fascinating. Hopefully we'll start using that now. Probably not because it's efficient no. and lasts for millennia. Uh, save money. Well, no, but see, it, 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 it's, it's more beneficial for the government to spend your tax money pouring asphalt every year. Right. But um, talking about concrete... They use that to build a lot of things like roads. Talking about roads, in Ancient Apocalypse, there's this thing called the Bimini Road, which ge- geologists say is a quote-unquote natural phenomenon not seen anywhere else in the world. I just want to say that, right? And it's been ignored by most people uh, academically, it's underwater. It's not under a lot of water. You can see it from the air on a clear day, on most days, and it looks perfectly level. And everybody's like, "Oh, it's just, it's just the way the the water cut the rock." And it's just a your your brain is making a pattern where it's not there. In ancient apocalypse, they dive on the Bimini Road, yeah. and they go and look under the rocks. And I think they may be the first ones to have ever filmed it. And the reason it's level is there's small rocks propping it up to make it perfectly level on the bedrock. So these rocks are floated with other rocks over the seabed. That is not a naturally occurring thing. I don't care what you say. I'm going to argue with a geologist, even though I don't have a degree. Somebody built that. And we know that area was not underwater during the last ice age. We know for a well, fact and, it was exposed to land. And so let's tie this back up here. Let's tie this back up together because the Bimini Road is on the Piri Reese map. So yes. it's it's on there. So that same map with ancient, you know, ancient Antarctica at the bottom also has this little mark right where the Bimini Road is with these little little stones that put out the road. So, you know. So, you know, what this all boils down to is 
we don't really know what was there, but there's enough evidence that something was there. And we something need to be was looking. There. We need to we need to look. ask questions. Absolutely. And and to be fair, a lot of the places we need to look, there's a lot of war going on, makes it hard to look. There's a lot of religion going on, which makes people not want to look. Or there are laws, like here in the United States, that protect dig sites because of Native Americans' burial ground cultural beliefs. And I understand that and I respect it, but we have to find a balance between respecting what came before and learning. Otherwise, we're going to live in ignorance forever. Yeah. Understanding our past is important. So that's it for now. We'll see you guys again next time.